well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I hope you're having a good Tuesday. Probably better than uh, my wife, Missy's Tuesday is going. Yeah, I have to take her to the dentist today for uh, to get a wisdom tooth taken out. I don't know how she went this long. I'm not going to say how long it's been, but I don't know how she went this long without having to have any of her uh, wisdom teeth taken out. It's been like 30 years for me. The only thing I remember is uh, proposing to uh, one of the surgical assistants as I was coming out of anesthesia. That's the only thing I remember about it. So, uh, Hopefully, I'm still married when we uh, talk again tomorrow. I uh, Then it's pretty cute, but uh, we'll see. Anyway, we've got a, a busy show for you here on Cam & Company. We are two weeks away from Election Day, and the uh, Democrats, well, they're starting to freak out here. This is the uh, headline from the Daily Beast. Democrats are deer in the headlights on crime problem. Yeah, crime is emerging as one of the most important issues uh, of this election cycle. Uh, inflation, the economy, uh, generally speaking, the number one issues, uh, and, and it's really not even that close. But then crime is generally running like third or fourth in terms of the most important issues. And when you look at various states, uh, it can actually be the top problem. Uh, in New York, for example, surveys are showing that to crime is a top concern of voters, which is one of the reasons why uh, New York Governor Kathy Hochul yesterday held a press conference to uh, tout the uh, expanded use of uh, red flag laws there in New York. She's trying to make the argument that, uh, listen, gun control is crime control. And this is also the argument that Melissa DeRosa makes at the Daily Beast. Uh, she notes correctly, poll after poll shows that as Election Day draws near, Americans are increasingly ranking crime as the top issue that matters to them after the economy and inflation. And she acknowledges that there is a reason. This is not, she says, an instance of perception is reality. In this case, reality is reality. Violent crime is dramatically higher in cities across America than before the pandemic. And every day, more and more people are either personally impacted or know somebody who is. Just last week, a friend and former colleague of mine was punched in the face, she writes, while standing on the street corner in Manhattan in broad daylight. So don't waste your breath telling me that crime is not a problem. She says that Democrats need to confront the crime issue head on. And this is where her argument starts to fall apart. Uh, she writes, Democrats can be true to their, quote, progressive ideology and aggressively fight crime. They're not mutually inconsistent. In fact, she writes, mainstream Democrats are better positioned to fight crime than Republicans, but they must communicate it clearly and forcefully, drawing the contrast between our solution-oriented approach and Republicans' fear-mongering. <laughs> right. Because, you know, Democrats never fear-monger about, say, I don't know, concealed carry holders. Right. It's not like we don't have Democrats like, I don't know, New York Governor Kathy Hochul, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, California Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, making it seem like even those who jump through all of the hoops and hurdles that the state has set before them in order to exercise their right to bear arms in public and self-defense. Those individuals are at least as dangerous as violent criminals, if not more so. No, we don't have we don't have democratic politicians doing things like that all around the country. Oh no, no fear mongering there. <clears throat> uh, DeRosa then says, "quote A major element of crime reduction is gun control." Yeah, President Biden, she says, was right to call for a ban on assault weapons and high capacity magazines, and two thirds of Americans agree with him. But Democrats, eager to take credit for the bipartisan gun bill passed earlier this year, need to acknowledge that that legislation did not get to the core of the problem and make it clear that the Republican Party is the reason why. 
Now, this is, again, where I think the wheels fall off of DeRose's argument. Because I don't believe that you can be true to your progressive ideals while criminalizing the exercise of a constitutionally protected right. I just don't. I don't think you can square that circle. I think once you have decided that we need in this country new, nonviolent, possessory offenses, we need to carve out felony crimes out of the right to keep and bear arms. It's not a progressive outlook. It's a very regressive way of thinking. Uh, because ultimately what you were saying is, I want to put people in prison for simply carrying a gun, maybe even keeping a gun in their home, in a manner in which I do not approve. Right? They're not accused of committing any violent crime. Nope. Just possessing a gun. But they're doing it in a way that I don't like. And that should be a criminal offense. That should be subject to years behind bars. That is the gun control ideology, whether or not Melissa DeRosa wants to acknowledge it. Just look at the bills that have become law in places like New York and California since the Supreme Court handed down its decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. This is exactly what Democrats are doing. And again, there's nothing progressive about it. Uh, DeRosa says Democrats have to be willing to say that some people have to be behind bars to keep society safe. The problem, uh, of course, is that they think that it's you and me and other legal gun owners as opposed to violent criminals. DeRosa says this is the crux of the matter. Listening to the far left extremists, they believe that no one should be in jail. This is untenable and unrealistic. We can address the root causes of crime, poverty, mental health, lack of education, and lack of opportunity, and still protect the public by incarcerating dangerous individuals. And yes, we also believe in rehabilitation and alternatives to incarceration when feasible. Democrats must articulate our position loudly and quickly. We can be tough on crime and progressive on criminal justice. In fact, she writes, responsible government must be both. We know the car is coming. And we have two weeks to get out of the road. Let's hope it's not already too late. Well, I, I think it is too late. Because again, I think that Democrats like DeRosa fundamentally misread, fundamentally misread the mood of the electorate. Sure, you will find polls that say, you know, 60% of Americans support a ban on so-called assault weapons. Because they're not really thinking too hard about it. There's not really a lot of additional information that is provided to those survey respondents. They're not asked, do you think people should spend five years in federal prison if they possess an AR-15? I doubt you're going to get 60% support for that measure, if that's how you frame it. If, on the other hand, uh, you frame it as, uh, do you believe uh, battlefield weapons of war like the AR-15 should not be sold to the American public? You might get 60% support for that. Again, it's kind of all in how you frame that question. But Americans, by and large, I don't think are concerned about guns at the moment. Some of them are, for, to be sure. But I think most people are concerned about crime. And what they're looking for are ways that the government can go after violent criminals. They're also looking at ways that they can protect themselves. There's a real-life example of this. This is from uh, Washington State. This was, uh, I believe, uh, Puyallup, Washington. I, I always mispronounce that, and I do apologize. Uh, something needs to change. Car theft victim confronts thieves when deputies don't respond. Yeah. This was this past weekend. Uh, I guess I guess it's actually it's been like two weeks ago. 
A uh, pull-you-up man calling for change after he says he had to confront suspects who stole his wife's car when law enforcement didn't respond until the day after they were called. Michael Wilson said someone stole his wife's car out of their driveway on October 13th. Later that night, they spotted the car in a parking lot. So, uh, Mr. Wilson says, uh, I saw two people who were in the car, who were in the process of getting high. His wife calls 911. 911 says, okay, officers are on the way. Wilson says he didn't know if the suspects were armed, but he grabbed his gun. He said, I had people in my car. We called them, meaning the police. If they were there in five minutes, they probably would have found them. But the suspects took off instead, leaving the car behind. Uh, Michael Wilson says, we waited an hour to see if the cops would come. During that hour we waited, the cops never showed up. One of the people that was in my car came back. I used my Second Amendment rights again to stop them from trying to get into the vehicle, not knowing what was in the vehicle, if they were going to try to hurt me or my family because I had my kids with me. So not knowing if they were going to, I used my Second Amendment rights. My wife was on the phone to the police again while they were there on the phone, telling them what I was doing. The assailant also called the cops, telling them I had I had them using my Second Amendment rights, and they never showed up. So even when this went from, hey, somebody stole my car and I found my car in a parking lot and there are people inside. Can please come get here and arrest them? To, hey, I've got my gun drawn and I'm holding this guy. And the guy himself calls and says, hey, there's a guy holding a gun at me. And the cops still don't respond. They still don't show up. What happened? Well, the Pierce County Sheriff's Department says it was staffing issues. Says that there were only two deputies working the graveyard shift in the district when Wilson called for help. And on their way to that response, deputies had a DUI driver in front of them that they had to stop. And then they were dispatched to a welfare check. And then they had another DUI driver that led them on a short pursuit, who also turned out to be in illegal possession of a firearm. Twelve back-to-back calls. They say they don't know why the uh, South Sound 911 dispatch didn't prioritize Wilson's call. I don't know either. But again, if you got a drunk driver right in front of you, and you got a call six blocks away, what are you going to do? So I don't necessarily pin blame on the sheriff's department. Sheriff's department, short, a lot of officers. A lot of police departments are around the country right now. And one of the reasons for that, yes, uh, the Democrats call to defund the police does have something to do with it. I know that Democrats have been backing away, at least some of them have been backing off that call for close to two years now. But there is still a mentality, and this is another part of the Democrats' problem where they can't square that circle. Where they say, yeah, yeah, no, we do need to get tough on violent criminals, but we, you know, just we got to have uh, uh, you know, a system that is transparent, and they don't, they don't know what they want. And ultimately what they do is end up pulling resources away from law enforcement, even if they don't technically call it defund the police. Look at Measure 114, this ballot initiative in Oregon. That would impose a host of new restrictions on legal gun owners. Again, the type of stuff that Melissa DeRose at uh, Daily Beast would love, right? A permit to purchase law, training mandates before you can own a firearm, all kinds of restrictions on legal gun owners, but also all kinds of unfunded mandates on local law enforcement in Oregon. An analysis from the, uh, uh, I believe it was the Secretary of State's office, found that Measure 114 is expected to bring in about $20 million in revenue meaning taxes and fees paid by gun owners every year, but it's expected to cost about $50 million to put all of these gun control measures in place. And that means that local law enforcement departments all across the state of Oregon 
are going to be dealing with these unfunded mandates, which amounts to defunding their department by, you know, X percent. Democrats don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about the fact that the gun control laws that they propose do come with criminal penalties attached and mean that law enforcement is going to be going after, again, nonviolent possessory offenders who in many cases are simply doing things that are protected by the right to keep and bear arms instead of going after violent criminals. You know, the home invaders, the carjackers, the drive-by shooters. Now, I don't know about you, (laughs) that doesn't sound like getting tough on crime to me. That sounds like getting tough on the exercise of a constitutional right. That's why I don't think that the Democrats' uh, gun control is crime control argument is really going to fly with voters. At least it doesn't appear to be doing so at the moment. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there. Again, you want to talk about uh, problems and what we can do to you know, try to bring down the crime rate? I don't know. Ensuring consequences of violent offenses seems like a pretty important thing to do. Meanwhile, in Minneapolis, guy gets six months in jail, 10 years probation, after copping a plea to murder. That's right. <laughs> murder. Six months behind bars. Nelson Soro Agostino pleaded guilty to third-degree murder following a 2021 drug sale, as well as assault and battery in a separate incident back in 2020. In exchange for the pleas, Channel 6 News in uh, Minneapolis says he received a, quote, comparatively light sentence of 365 days in jail with credit for 187 served, meaning he'll serve a little less than six months more. Mm -hmm. He will uh, return to service jail time after completing inpatient treatment. If he does not remain law-abiding during his probation, he will, however, receive a harsher prison sentence of 28 months for the simple robbery conviction, 122 months for the third-degree murder conviction. That's what he's eligible for. Doesn't mean that's actually what he's going to get, even if he does violate his probation. But in the meantime, you've got a murderer who, at best, is going to do a year behind bars. Probably time off for good behavior, too. So I doubt that he's going to be serving six months more. He's probably going to be getting out maybe within the next couple of weeks to the next couple of months. Today's armed citizen story from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where a uh, homeowner shot an attempted intruder over the weekend. Uh, This was uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, The suspect in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a guy named uh, Keon Washington, allegedly kicked in the back door of a home Friday afternoon. Uh, Police say the homeowner was armed legally and uh, responded confronting Keon Washington, telling him to leave. When Washington allegedly refused, that's when the homeowner shot him. Washington was found not far away uh, with a large butcher knife, according to police. Police said he was taken into custody, transported to a hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, He's now been charged with trespassing, attempted burglary, terroristic threats, as well as reckless endangering of another person. The uh, homeowner there in Harrisburg not facing any charges. Finally, today's good deed of the day. Out in Oakland, California, where uh, Police Chief Laron Armstrong famously told the residents last year he wants them to be good witnesses, not armed citizens. Don't fight back, he said. Just take notes. Give us a good suspect description. That's what he wants. I Again, I don't know how many uh, Oaklanders are 
buying into the uh, Chiefs argument here, not with stories like this. Great grandma uses cane to save elderly neighbor from violent purse snatching in Oakland. Yeah. It's a shame she had to use a cane, isn't it? But uh, whatever. She's, she's alive. Her neighbor is alive as well. 76-year-old Miss Faye uh, saw what was going on, ring video from her home, captured the moment that she uh, ran out her front door back on October the 12th. She said she had spotted a car that she thought was a rideshare driver. And then she says a young man came out of the sedan and attacked her elderly neighbor, who's also in her late 70s. That's when she said she knew she had to take action. So she yelled for her German shepherd to uh, come outside. Uh, but her dog was in the backyard, so she ran out the front door with her cane to stop the attacker. He was grabbing for a neighbor's purse. She even hit the car with the cane a couple of times, which led to the uh, suspect then dropping the purse. Miss Faye says, if uh, my knees weren't hurting me, I think I would have been out there a little bit faster. She was asked if she was scared to intervene, and I hope that Chief Laurent Armstrong was listening to her response. Because he said, I never, she said, I never thought about it. Fear never crossed my mind, because I'm crazy, I guess. She said, I don't know. It's just something that's in my nature. I do things, and it doesn't bother me until a couple hours later. That's how I've always been. Now, Channel 6 in uh, Oakland says that law enforcement never encourages people to interfere with the crime in progress. Again, we need good witnesses, not armed citizens. But uh, Miss Faye has some advice of her own. She said, just try to be neighborly. Watch out for your neighbors and your surroundings, even for your personal self, because so many things have been happening lately. Not just in Oakland, but all over the world. Just be aware of your surroundings. That's all I have to say about that. Well, I'm glad that Miss Faye was in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to help a neighbor. I think she's right. We do have to uh, be aware of our surroundings. We also have to look for opportunities to help those that we care about. In this case, sounds like Ms. Faye was able to do just that in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to uh, save her neighbor from a violent crime. And I'm sure that uh, Oakland's police chief is not happy about that. But uh, you know what? Ms. Faye's neighbors, well, they're calling her a hero. That's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. I will be back tomorrow with uh, even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. In the meantime, don't forget to check out BarionArms.com throughout the day. We're constantly updating the website there as well. Making sure that you have access to everything you need to know when it comes to Second Amendment news and information. If you like what you see, I'd encourage you to become a VIP member as well. Just go to BarionArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIDES and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive content. News stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter. And it really does make a difference. So thank you again. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, be free.